0: Welcome to your favorite 20-ish days of the minute <laughs> wait is that not right does that how is that is that pretty much how 2020 would do our intro the 20 days of this minute no no, no I'm just, okay no no, no, no just, sorry no let's do that all right correctly welcome to your favorite 20 ish minutes of the day this is the precisely simple podcast your source for the latest news interviews and stories from the manufacturing world here we're going to de- dive headfirst into the world of manufacturing and the people that make it thrive. I'm Brandon. And I'm Kyle. And, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> Still into the thick of 2020. So let's start it off like I have before. I'm going to ask this
1: question this week, Kyle, the shop. Red light, green light? Wide open. Green light, man. Still green light. It's good news. Man, I got, got a new machine up and running. Uh, oh, do tell. Tell us more. So we bought a... Uh, Five-axis laser welding cell. Oh, yeah. So um, one of the products we do uh, essentially it's a, a it's a round part and has several joints that we weld together. Um, so we worked with IPG actually on one of their uh, one of their kind of semi-turnkey cells, and we added some options stuff like that to really do what we want. But um, It's really cool because it literally combines welding and machining because the whole machine runs off uh, both PLC, so you call macros and you call logic. Yeah, ladder logic. Ladder logic, but you also run G-code. Oh, really? Like you turn the air knife on and off, the gas on and off, all the rotary and uh, motions, everything is G90, G91, absolute and incremental. Like it's super, super cool. Um, so yeah, I finally got that thing up and running. We're running production parts, um, and it starts running two shift production next week. So it's super, super awesome. Uh, we've been waiting for that piece of equipment for four months.
0: Jeez. That's actually not a long time to wait for a piece of equipment. No,
1: it's, it's not. And they hand build all these things. They're all special order. Yeah. They don't keep, they don't maintain these things. So, uh, so getting that actually running production was uh it was it was big this week so I was 100 percent green light wide open Christmas tree it whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it we were we were go dog go
0: so tell me how I mean how long did it take from from uh unboxing to running product how long did it take you to get that up and moving
1: uh two and two weeks that's nothing to keep in mind it was a turnkey like it showed up in a crate like it, we had already done the factory acceptance over uh, a video. So like it was a turnkey machine. I literally was just programming and setting up the code for our parts. That's interesting. You said over the video, cause that relates to this whole episode. It does. Yeah. It, it wasn't what I wanted. I actually wanted to fly up there and, and, and go through it because the machine was so expensive and it's so specialized for what we're doing, but it wasn't going to work. It was faster just to, for them to do a video us accept the machine and take order, and then uh, they do uh, virtual training through the machine of any code issues. But again, it's a lot of code. So, like, I can, I, I hand wrote most of the code. They gave us some extra programs. I've got some more training next week because it's got a vision system. So, it'll vision track. So, it'll move, you can move it to say seam, but say if it's 10, 15 thou off, the vision system will realign the head in a roll Whoa. automatically. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. So, um, but yeah, it was about two, well, I take that back three weeks total. Cause it took, uh, between wiring, uh, gas, air, setting up level, figure out where we wanted it, all that kind of stuff like that. So not bad. That's fast. Much That's... faster than a lot of other machines. Oh sure. gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, everybody knows we're based out of Georgia. Um, Mazak's got their
1: their are tech centers here in uh, Duluth,
0: Swanee, I think. Is oh, I, might, I don't know. It's somewhere in that. In that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a chance to go through there, and in that facility, they're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. They're turnkey building their equipment. You want to talk about some high I've dollar? Been there.
1: Yeah, holy I've, cow! They, they've I've seen two of their big Intergrex machines there. And they were doing custom builds with, like, gantry unloaders. I'm I know. Like, what the, all just the crane loader is mind-boggling. And they're like, oh, what's, what's the lead time on these? They're like, oh, you know, 15 to 20 weeks. I'm like, whoa. What? what? That's with the machine sitting on the floor, like the existing machine. It's 15 to 20 weeks. And, and this was two years ago when I was looking at, not right. X, but I was looking at um, one of the twin spindle mill turns. And uh, it was just like, nah, I'm good. That kind of stuff. That's no amazing. Yeah. That's, People they, buy them all the time, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, no different than me. I waited four and a half months for the laser. So Yeah, that's Hey. But, Same thing. I mean, but if it gets production off the ground, that's... All of it is going to quadruple our production.
0: So you mentioned that you approved it. You didn't get to go and do factory approval. You had to do it over video. Mm-hmm. Relates to what I want to talk about first in our Manufacturing Minute Uh is virtual. This entire episode, I want to talk about virtual. And we're going to bring up virtual welding trainers. Now, I have extremely limited <laughs> practice with these things. I haven't used one yet. I've seen them. I think they're neat. I know you've used them.
1: Yeah. So, I've, I've used both. Um, uh, You know, your big two. So, your big red and big blue. So, Lincoln Electric and Miller. Both have their own. Um, I'm not really familiar with, in terms of, I haven't used the Miller one, which is called, I had to look it up, Augmented Arc, is what the Miller one's called. Um, it's the same kind of thing, where it's, it's uh, you wear know, a virtual helmet, uh, you have gloves, you essentially have, um, uh, a lot of them are from MIG, there's some stick and there's some TIG ones, but mostly set up for MIG welding, um, and it's, everything's just, there's usually cameras and then there's a force sensor or a triaxial sensor in the, in the torch itself. So it knows your lead and uh, point angle and then everything else like that. And it's it usually how to weld. Now the one I have experience with is actually the Lincoln one. Um, and that's called Vertex V-R-T-E-X. Um, I actually have been at the factory uh, Lincoln factory training and, and mess with these and play with them. Um, these are the ones I have the most time on. Um, I, again, I haven't used the middle ones. I can't really talk much about it, but it's good for training. Um, you know, being a manual welder most of my life more than not of my adult life. Um, it was really cool. I picked it up really quickly. Um, it definitely gives people the motion in terms of the hand eye coordination side, but, um, they're really expensive if you're looking for, buy one, I guess for a shop, but I know y'all got one, right? You, you, y'all got the Miller one. Yeah. I think okay. I've seen the Miller one show up in our facility. Okay. I haven't seen it kicked on and used yet, but I know it's there. Yeah. I know it's, it's pretty serious on the training side, um, in terms of what it needs to get set up and stuff like that. But in terms of getting that muscle memory, um, which is this really what welding is, is muscle memory. Right. Um, I thought. It's going to do a it's going to do a pretty good job, and I, I really see a lot more tech schools, a lot more uh, uh, afternoon or you know evening programs, community college stuff like that. Um, I I think they could buy one of those and maybe another couple welders, and I think they could bring people up to speed a lot faster. Seriously, yeah, yeah. okay. I was wondering, I, I I concerned
0: about the viability of these things.
1: Yeah, um, when they first came out, they were garbage, just straight garbage. But uh, I will say Lincoln has a, dumped a ton of money into that Vertex system to really make it something that gets people a lot further down the road so when they actually pick up a real MIG torch, they're not just completely stumbling. Um, it, it fixes a lot, especially on MIG, a lot of push-pull or uh, lean-in, lean-out or you know, uh, torch angle and fixing a lot of issues that deal with just – spatial awareness if there was ever a time that that was extremely (laughs) (laughs) relevant to what we're doing right now yeah so um so again i I haven't messed with the mineral one i was i was pretty impressed with the latest version of the link one i saw so um, i think with more technology being implemented in lower education and again that's what we're going to talk about a little bit but um I, i i see them as a benefit too especially people wanting to get into the into the the trade or the craft of, of welding and fabrication. It certainly would save a lot of recycled materials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people <laughs> are like, oh, well, welder's cheaper. And like, yeah, yeah, but it's everything that goes along with it. Yeah. Consumables. Oh, all the power, the steel, the consumables, the fume hoods, like all that stuff. When somebody could sit on a simulator, at least again, you're never going to be a certified welder, just running simulator, but you can get, you can get 30, 40, maybe even 50% of the way there. So that you when you start actually welding on real materials, you are you're a lot further down the roll, I guess. So your opinion is that on par with like a driving sim for a race car driver? Uh I think it's gotten there. Okay. Um and I actually know a very I'm very good friends with the owner of a, a really good SIM company, SIMCraft. Mm-hmm. Um and they have done absolute leaps and bounds, and they actually ran Uh, they were part of that NASCAR virtual race. They ran a lot of them on, on SimCraft. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing Sean's, uh, some of his posts and stuff like that. And because they have a bunch of NASCAR teams that run their Sims. That's cool. And, uh, they've gotten, they've gotten a lot of traction by that. I've sat I've sat in one
0: of those and driven one of those and I've sat in obviously the one that we built. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that it
1: is definitely easy to get sick in mine (laughs) versus theirs. So and this funny thing is I get motion sick in like the rides where you get in front of a screen. Like I can ride the craziest roller coasters out there where you're, you know, body jarring every every turn, but the rides where it just sits in front of a screen and moves puke city for me really like, oh yeah
0: it just messes you up you gotta have that kind of I gotta
1: have it like that his sims nothing all i can sit in those things for hours and hours and hours and have no problems boy wouldn't that be nice to have the time to just sit one <sighs> of
0: those things for hours and hours and play yeah okay um, so continuing the virtual um this week's manufacturing decoded i wanted to discuss because it seems like a hotbed topic
1: is virtual learning Um, yeah, but it's hotbed for a reason. Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, it's, it's become a necessity. It's not something that, um, uh, it's not, it's been something that's forced, been forced, uh, into the, especially the educational sector. Oh yeah. And that's where I see it the most. I I would assume you're the same way you've seen it the most. Um, we've seen it on the business side a little bit where companies are forced to, alter how they do, even like sales calls. Like we've had sales calls with vendors over Zoom because they don't, you know, we're in our facility, you know, we're, we're careful, but at the same time we're still allowing vendors to come in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but most of them on the company side won't, especially any companies that are European based.
0: Oh yeah. I imagine they're hard. No.
1: Yeah. We just bought some re- some really good sound and data acquisition equipment and the company's base is in, either Austria or Germany. Okay. So corporate, they're like, nope, you're not traveling. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I spoke to somebody, I mean, um,
0: I have a friend, a colleague who just did an interview, a zoom interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that was just weird to me. So that's just, this is odd, you know, yeah. never having done that. Um, and, you know, and I want to discuss, I mean, there's no discussion. The original question is, is this something that can work? How can you do it? And now it's just a, become a question of how is it going to work? Because it is, it's a mandatory thing in all of our worlds. Um, you know, Kyle and I both are parents. We have, uh, school age children. That is something that they are dealing with. Yeah. Um, and and it affects everybody's lives. You know, it affects your ability to work. It affects yeah. your ability to, uh, you know, have a reasonable household. I mean, yeah. there's something to be said about in your relationship that you got to have some time by yourself. I think it's the same for, you know, your, your children and, yeah. and everybody else. So sticking with the manufacturing side of it, here's my question. So we're going virtual, and it's obviously not anything that's going away anytime soon. No. How how does this affect our trade and our our skill set? Because literally, we are teaching skill sets, and we are getting better at becoming craftspeople. And virtual learning essentially cripples i a lot of that training. Um, how do how do we do anything hands on if we can't use our hands?
1: Yeah, so I I think that's where, and again, I, a lot of it stems to. What what trade what trade or what craft you're you're really trying to hone in? Whether it's woodworking, metalworking, machining, um, you know, composites, plastics, injection molding, stuff like that. Um, so many of those are so physical based, right? In terms of the learning, in terms of the application of knowledge, that that is my that's kind of my biggest worry. I mean, like on the on the engineering side, you can you can and there's I mean, video, you cat video cat anywhere you can do cat anywhere you yeah. can do it from home um you can learn from home you can do all this uh, advanced training advanced learning uh, a lot of that stuff is is fine you, you it's very very easy to transition to a home-based thing but when you said oh well you know let's let's do a zoom call on setting up a mill turn well okay i can stand in front of a camera i can set something up or show you how to touch off tools and stuff like that but there's a certain amount of muscle memory again i go back to muscle memory and right. and application of knowledge like if you if you don't have a mill turn in your in your basement you you can't do any of that stuff right um, you you don't you don't know what that you know you, you don't know what a what a what a tool with a chip tooth sounds like Like that, just uh, like that's stuff you can hear in the shop. Yeah, you can't feel the vibration in the handle when you're cutting
0: too fast, or yeah,
1: especially on the manual machines. Like that's all feel and smell and hearing stuff like that, and that's a lot of that is I definitely think lost in um, in the virtual side. So uh, while you can learn a lot of the principles and uh, I don't know, I guess like the theory of application, maybe yeah, you know, you can get forty percent there, but on the really trade stuff, uh, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see a, we'll see about a year gap. I have, um,
0: and and who's to say how long all of this is going to last? And no idea. So many people are saying it's the new normal, and they're discussing adjusting the world and I your lifestyle to I this. I don't like that world. I know, and a lot of people don't like hearing it either. But I, I think I have come to the acceptance that. Saying the new normal for a lot of our life, 70% is probably perfectly acceptable. But for people like us, people in manufacturing, it is absolute. at some point, it's a hard no. Like yeah. This this cannot continue for our trades to exist. Yep. And our trades can't not exist. As much as no. um, technology has driven so much of – Uh, education pipeline and workforce pipeline away from using your hands and doing normal craft work and and trades work. uh, This trade still has to exist. And I I keep pointing out to the beginning of the PPE crisis and how everybody talked about manufacturers and how, and how important, you know, we don't have enough manufacturers. We can't manufacture that word became a hot word at every single press conference. So it's obvious. I think it should become very obvious that supply chain, logistics, inventory, manufacturing, critical infrastructure yeah so how do we how do we bring in because now i would say the current generation is at least open-minded to it now you know we've been dealing with the skills gap for going on easily two decades now yeah and we're finally i think reaching that tipping point where the play field is starting to level out and there's a more of an acceptance into the trades oh yeah 100%. And, and we hit this grinding halt
1: yeah yeah, I think a lot of the implement, implementation of uh, STEM in uh, high school education. Um, I, I guess, like you said, the the reacceptance of trade trade based life path that it is okay, it's it is societally accepted. To go into trade,
0: yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. We're yeah. all trying
1: to make a a productive, meaningful life. Yeah, so I, I think there has been a culture shift of that, mm-hmm. and it's really been in the last I don't know two years.
0: Yeah, year and a half, I, yeah, years. I'd say that. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah,
1: and so yeah, for this to literally take a year off the face of it, it kind mm-hmm. of sucks. Yeah, I think so
0: too, for sure. So. Um, and, and that's you know, and that's kind of where. That's kind of where I was leaning with that. Like, so let's say existing, you know, we've talked about potential manufacturing suppliers. Let's talk about now the, the manufacturing professionals now say either the one, either the ones that have just come out or are in an apprenticeship position or in a, in a, you know,
1: young position in this. I I think a lot of them are going to be frustrated, to be honest. I I think, especially the people that are mid, mid path, like you said, say in the middle of a two year apprenticeship program, Mm -hmm. you're a year in and you're essentially now going to be in a three-year program instead of a two-year. And I, I'm afraid that, that it's going to make a, it's going to make a negative hit. I mean, I know
0: like, if two companies are off the bat, their apprenticeship programs, hard stops. Yeah. They just became a survival mode, lifeboat mode. Just keep the
1: boat yeah. afloat. Yeah. So a lot of those uh, young entrance opportunities are going to be cut. And that's just that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're gone permanently, but I think a very strict reevaluation of what a company is going to allow and consider right. um, is is changed, and it's not going to it's not going to be open back up for a while, unfortunately. And that sucks, but it is what it is. Now, the other side of it, what I may see is a company taking in someone that is less skilled because of the gap of, of the skilled new student coming out. They may take someone that's like, look, I understand you're only a year in, but we have to have someone. Oh, so you're seeing it as this is going to affect, this is going to immediately affect that pipeline. Yeah. Of what's coming in. hundred percent. Okay. Okay. So and, I, would, and I don't hundred percent know how, but I, I can tell you there's going to be more of that where it's all right, look, I'll bring you in at $12 an hour instead of 18 because you're still have another year of school left, but we have to have someone, you need a job. You're like I think there's going to be a more adaptation forced adaptation to the standard. All right. When you get out of school or you go into apprenticeship or you do this and this and this and this, and this um, I think that's going to happen. And I do think it's going to happen with smaller businesses. I think your smaller shops are going to be, have to become more agile to be able to accept that. So your thoughts at the, at the end of this, when we have put it together,
0: will, will companies get hungrier? Will they be more aggressive to try to bring in, uh, you know, future employees and, and more skilled labor or, are they going to take this opportunity where obviously a lot of them, I, I think it's, there's no way of saying we're not going into a recession if we haven't already. Yeah. Um, and with as much layoffs as there's been, as much job loss as there've been,
1: are I, they going to So I, I think lean? that's I think that's the key. I think because there have been so many layoffs across the board, I think the average person is going to start reevaluating what they do in their life. And so you've got a lot of people who, may really enjoy what they were doing and this and this. And then all of a sudden they have no idea when their job is ever going to come back. Yet their next door neighbor is a carpenter and he, he has more work. He knows what to do with. How many stories have we heard that goes that way where they, they have one Pe- career field. People go, be like do 180 degree life change. You're like, yeah. you know what? He's working all the time. I don't mind what he's doing. Maybe I should try that. Yeah, where they're like,
0: I love working on
1: cars. Yeah. I wonder, I've got nothing to lose at this point. Yep. So, I, I think there's going to be some of that, to be honest. Be- um, because so many of the office jobs have, have gone away or have gone to where you're working from home, but you have to have a certain skill set and a certain level to work from home. So, all your all those entry-level jobs, gone. So, the general consensus here is,
0: is um, so you're thinking, one, entry-level jobs – outside of this sector outside of manufacturing will be adversely affected yes okay um which obviously and and some percentile will probably push people into our particular field yes very possibly um also we're thinking we're thinking that this isn't this isn't a normal that we have to fully adapt to that there is going to be some type of return
1: and rebound yeah, there's there's going to be a rebound. Like I said it really kind of depends on the vaccine status, um, and that's so much of an unknown that it's not it's not in the field of view. Well, so, you know, I read something on the internet and everything on the internet. No, it's true. true. Oh yeah, please tell
0: me it's got to be. <laughs> you true. know that the, that the fastest we've ever created a vaccine was vaccine was four years. But then again, when when has the entire world been working on it when have we ever been this technologically advanced yeah. disconnected and had this many people so on the okay so even if it's connected? 18 months that's still 2021 yeah it's still a minute i mean we are we are beyond at this point beyond halfway through this year Yep. there was very there was a funny joke online i like it where somebody said seriously we stayed up late and screamed happy new year for this <laughs> 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 yeah uh my last question okay uh so We go back over that. We think we're going to have an adverse effect on industries outside of the manufacturing sector, which actually might help fulfill our needs when time comes. Sure. We think apprenticeships and internships and low-level opportunities probably, do you think those are going to dry up? Or do you think essentially people are going to be skipping that and jumping straight into entry levels
1: where they've combined? Yeah. I I, I think some of that slow roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be skipped. It's going to be overlooked because the need is going to be so high. Okay, uh, I think the gap is going to get too large. Where companies who just like screw it. We're just going to take someone in, tra- train them ourselves. Um, so that's that. That's really where I, I see a lot of that that stuff kind of transitioning. Okay, um, and yeah. that's just what I see from my side. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other industries maybe that are different you know oil and gas or oh yeah and they've um, been taking a hit for a long time yeah oil and gas has been doing pretty bad but again the machine shops that feed oil and gas um the the, the foundries that feed stainless tubing to the oil and gas industry uh, aerospace is blowing up absolutely blowing up um so good or bad good see now that's fascinating to me because we know the airline industry are hard hit so and we will we, they ever recover? Uh, we have some vendors that were aerospace shops and are just they're begging for work. Like they literally cannot get it from the. Uh, I talk aerospace as in legit space, SpaceX, okay, Blue Falcon, okay, uh, like that's where like that industry is is, is exploding. Okay, the standard Pratt and Whitney, uh, Zikorsky, uh Boeing that those machine shops. are mm-hmm. Die. They're starving. They're dying yeah, because so imagine. much of that stuff has has been slow rolled or like that. No, granted, you no, know, we've been super busy in the defense industry, so we've been picking up a lot of those shops. Like we've brought on two machine shops in the last three weeks. Oh wow! So you know they're AS9100, ISO9001, both of them are NADCAP shops. So like super good shops that just need work, and all their contracts died. Every single one of them died this year. Um, And we have we have legitimately, and I'm not not trying to brag or something like that. <laughs> we, we, we have legitimately saved two shops this year. That's awesome. because we've had so much work, and they have had nothing. And they were like le- looking to lay off people and sell machines. We're like, look, if you can do this, we understand it's not similar margins to what you're making in the aerospace side. But I'll cut you a PO for the rest of the year. I'll tie up all your machines the rest of the year, and then the next year and they're like, okay. And the shops are reevaluating what what they accept. And again, we're, we're you know we're not margin killers, but we're high production. So, like that mindset of doing three parts at five thousand percent margin versus I need three thousand parts a month. At all right, twenty percent margin. Right, you're still going to make money. You're still make more money than you were making all those other parts. I'm like, but you're going to work a lot more for it, kind of thing. That's
0: funny. I was going to ask you, um, you know, because I want to because I nothing but negative it's really been it feels like nothing but negative we talk about everything going on in the world and it's been a lot of well but you know hey the numbers are going down oh but Ooh, this yeah. so i wanted to hear a positive so that's good so you you beat me to the punch that the positive is that some of these shops other shops will be able to help bring them back up like yes. you are doing like yep. you guys are
1: able to do um and again we're just we're super fortunate to be in the situation that we're in and we're just we're we're trying to to spread that out and to help shops that, you know, I've been in that situation where everything dries up. You know, like I, you know, I guess I'm selling machines next month because right. Don't know how bills are going to get paid. Don't have a deal like that. And you know, we are just fortunate enough to be in that and, and hear about them. But it, there's been some reallocation of, I guess, scope in a lot of these shops and they've been just like, Screw it. Whatever it takes to keep the machines off. We don't care what we're making anymore. And that's, that's how you keep the doors open. That's how you keep the spindles turning
0: and the doors yep. open. It's just saying we got whatever we got to do. Yep. And I was going to say one of the – I think just just to end the conversation with one something positive out of this, I really think this has been uh, a healthy – Yeah, you know, it's had a healthy effect on our work life balance understanding because it's forced. Yeah, it's been very forced. And you know what, though? I mean, listen, just speaking from us as a country, you know, we are an endeavorous, you know, nose to the grindstone. Beating our
1: knuckles, working our, our work life balance is horrible it's compared horrible. to the rest of the world, yeah, yeah, and especially Europe, yeah.
0: And I, I really think one, hopefully, I'm hoping for a lot of uh, you know, management positions and, and people in that position to make decisions, they realize, hey, it is possible to do a hybrid work schedule, it yeah. is allowable to do conference calls. Maybe we don't have to fly to
1: every single meeting, yeah. You have to you know, be, maybe it isn't necessary to it's forced a lot of those companies to be a lot more creative about how they conduct business, creative about their use of staff.
0: And how many Zoom calls have we seen where kids and dogs and everybody have interrupted? And not a single one of them have been, God, can you please be a little more professional? Instead, it's always been, your dog's adorable. Oh my God, that kid is so cute. So it's I feel like it's really, you know, because when we go into business, it's like we flip another switch. It's kind of like how Mr. Rogers would come into his room, take off his sport coat. Put on his sweater to let you know that it's time to be comfortable, that he is relaxed, that he's there with you. I feel like we have always been the version of him when he's leaving the door, that we absolutely put on our work shirt and our work jacket, and we get rigid, yeah. and we get business-like, and we get, you know, everything we say has got to be legally non-compromising and Spot such. On. Yeah. yeah, and and it's really loosened a lot of that up and humanized Yep. The humans involved in this. Yes. I so agree. it's it's been a positive. Uh, ultimately, though, I don't think any of this is any more dangerous than the stuff that grows in the coolant in the CNC <laughs> sump. I <laughs>
1: mean, the stuff that gives you rashes <laughs> and respiratory infections. God,
0: it is just terrifying, yeah. the stuff that grows in there. Yep. Um, okay, so let's move on to the, the last part, the part where we, we put ourselves... On on call, or on the on spot. On blast. On blast. <laughs> We're on blast. That we sometimes can't make the best decisions. This one, I'm taking the reins on this one. Sure. Um, it has nothing to do with manufacturing. It has to do with another... God, you're just being a doofus. Um, we've discussed this in other media that I have. Uh, a, ho- a saltwater tank hobby. Um, I like aquariums are you sure it's a hobby uh, it takes over a decent amount of your life <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it does so I have a large I have a large display tank in our you know just to give the listeners an understanding I have a large saltwater display tank it's 55 gallon which is not huge. But it's the display tank. And to let you know, I built this into my built-in in in my living room. It plums through the wall into the garage. And the garage has an entire workbench. It's a permanent structure in the house. It
1: actually is a permanent feature (laughs) of the house. (laughs) It's very well done. I I will say that. But it is a legitimate permanent structure yeah it's not something you're like let's swap that out
0: for bookshelf no. it, it would there will always be an aquarium here <laughs> yeah. um we have a second one in our master bedroom and we have a small freshwater one in my daughter's room and then obviously i've been experimenting with an aquaponics tank in the garage right now um which is not going as well as i would have hoped <laughs> but like ph is the thing to it's totally different Anyway, pH is difficult. Um, So I have uh, anybody who has saltwater tanks knows that the filtration system is generally done by a machine called a protein skimmer. And just to give you an idea how a protein skimmer works, you know, fish poop in the water, um, dirt. I'd say dirt. Just the nastiness that is in the water exists in the water. Well, the skimmer, what it does is it's a small pump. It sucks the water in, and it also sucks a ton of air in. And it aerates that water. in intensely aerates that water like a carbonation like, machine like cavitation huh yes Yeah, it cavitates so what happens is uh the bubbles are then funneled up to an inverse funnel you know to a reducing funnel at the very top the bubbles rise up to the top well all of the actual proteins in the water will attach to the bubbles and the bubbles will lift them out of the water, and they collect in the top. It's They call it skimmate that's collected in the top. And sure enough, you see this thing. It just sits there bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. You come back a couple days later, and it's the nastiest brown-green water collected in the top. Sounds amazing. It's disgusting. But it works, (laughs) and that's how the filtration works in a saltwater tank. So generally, after a while, you have to clean these things to make a long story long. I I took it apart. I cleaned it. I fixed the air line. I did these modifications because that's what we do to make it work more efficiently, (laughs) and it completely stopped working. I thought I did everything right, and it wasn't until I took it apart, and there's the tiniest little inlet. I mean the tiniest little air inlet completely clogged.
1: I messed with this
0: thing over and over again, beat my head over the wall, thought about adding an air, you know, an air motor to to force air into it to make it work correctly. And it was it took a toothpick clearing out a tiny little line. The whole system works. And the entire system is killing it. I've never had the nastiest water come out like I have right now. Yeah. Simple little fix. Literally, if it's 99 cents for a hundred toothpicks, you know, we're talking about yeah. a fraction of a cent fix. And just a little bit of time and again devil is in the details just like it was two weeks ago in our uh in our other point like you were talking about check the code check the code same time in this one just just check every part of it so uh my lesson is to all of you that even in everything in your life go through every little part of it make
1: sure you're checking every
0: (laughs) every line of it don't skip one part don't assume
1: something is what it is that's exactly what i did i just assumed it was working just (laughs) fine and it bit me right in the butt yeah
0: oh so that's good so hey look with that um i appreciate you guys listening in and uh be sure to look tell a friend and tell a loved one tell somebody you know who works in this this might be the kind of thing they like to listen to during their lunch break or on the way home because hopefully this is something that relates to a lot of you uh and you get something out of it so hey until then remember i mean it are always working cad we'll see
1: you take it easy